Welcome to the Beyond Ordinary Woman podcast. Every two weeks, we'll post a podcast version of one of our free training videos, but you can access them now at beyondordinarywomen.org. This episode or series includes downloadable information on our website, beyondordinarywomen.org. Go to resources on the main menu and click on podcast slash video extras. Enjoy the podcast. Hi, I'm Kay Daigle from Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries. Welcome to this podcast and video. Today, my guest is Elizabeth Woodson. Welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you for being here with me. Thank you for having me, Kay. I'm excited for our conversation. I am too. We are in a series, Reimagining Discipleship, Mm -hmm. and Elizabeth brings some expertise to this, and that's the reason I ask her to be part of it. She is not only a Bible teacher and author right now, but previously she worked on two different church staffs in the Dallas area at Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship and at the Village Church, where she was involved in discipleship ministry. So when I prayed about who to interview for this, I thought that Elizabeth would bring us a real practical and church staff type of perspective to our conversation. So Elizabeth, I just really want to kind of start with saying that I'd love to hear your your definition of discipleship. How would you define it? Yeah, my definition of discipleship really is inspired or comes from a man named Jim Putman, he wrote Real Life Discipleship. And so in my early years of ministry, his work really formed what discipleship was for me. And so I would say that it is someone who is following Jesus, being changed by Jesus, and is committed to the mission of Jesus. And that is based off of Matthew 4.19. Yeah, that's a really good, mm-hmm. that's a really good definition. I haven't heard that specifically yeah. before, but I really do like that. It seems to cover all aspects. Yeah. Of- what, what we need to be about as disciples. So how would you describe the state of discipleship currently? You know, okay, it is. <laughs> I think we are in a crisis moment. Uh, and I say crisis as in over the past few years, we have had some really hard moments just in our American and global culture. So we think about politics, we think about COVID, uh, two really big things for us that have shown maybe some fruit from believers that doesn't necessarily match up with what we would believe scripture says should be indicative of someone who follows Jesus. And so I think from the perspective of just different church leaders, the question is, I see my people posting things on Facebook. I see my people endorsing things that maybe don't align with the biblical worldview. I see my people being caught up in conspiracy theories and just ideologies, again, that don't glorify God, that don't bring honor to his image bearers and aren't making us live on mission for the Lord. And so the question is, okay, what's going on? How did we get here? And then as church leaders, and even as individual believers, because discipleship is not just the responsibility of people who are on staff at church, it's the responsibility of everyone to help people come to know Jesus and know what it means to follow him and live surrendered to him and live on mission for him. What do we do? And so I think there have been some cultural moments that have shown fruit that maybe is indicative of some spots we've missed um, or areas of 
correction or redirection we need to have in the ways in which we help our people know what it means to follow him, Jesus. Absolutely. And that's the reason I started this series in the mm-hmm. first place is because I share all of those concerns that you yeah. have. And I've seen all of those things that you mentioned. Yeah. So that is the whole purpose of this series is to get ideas, to, to get thoughts from people and from various perspectives mm-hmm. as to what, what we can do about it. Yeah. What is the way forward? Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's even as people who are listening Uh, because I think sometimes people can feel really hopeless or like, how do we get out of this? This seems really complicated and heavy. It's that there's always hope. And that when we as believers see an opportunity for us to move in a different direction, that the Lord is with us in that. And so I think that we're actually in a moment where a lot of really wonderful things can happen if we take advantage of the charge to be better as disciples of Jesus. Yeah, I love that. So what would you say are the root causes of this? What is what has happened to bring us to this crisis moment? Yeah, I think there are a couple different things. Again, that these are, I don't, I want to say that I have a corner on all the different dynamics, but in my time in ministry and just as a believer here, so there are a few things I've noticed. And one is, is we have grown to be a consumeristic culture when it comes to church. And, you know, Rich Velodas, who is an author of The Deeply Formed Life, uh, he's a pastor in New York, and he recently tweeted out, you know, that Jesus's disciples spent about 8,000 hours with him. You know, if you add up all the time they spent with him during Jesus's lifetime, thousands of hours, right? And he said, and they still had questions about the gospel. And so what do you think one hour a week is going to do for you in terms of your spiritual formation? We need more. But unfortunately, you know, our churches, there is a level of, of, in which coming to church once a week, that's it. I've checked the box. I'm here just to consume for my pastor who might be preaching a really great sermon. Uh, But even as a Bible teacher know that people only remember a certain amount of what you say, no matter how eloquent of a communicator you are. And so how, what level of formation do our people have when their exposure to Christianity and what it means to be a disciple is reduced to a short period of time once a week and how that competes with all the other things that we're consuming in terms of media and information, it just is a huge gap. Uh, And so that consumeristic dynamic within our churches where people just receive information um, and they're not in environments of formation for that long uh, I think we also have issues with biblical illiteracy. And so our people aren't reading their Bibles or they don't have a framework by which to understand the entirety of the story of scripture, because there are some boundary lines, right? You know, I might disagree with someone uh, politically, you know, politics is really complicated and we're all not going to agree on what it means for our government to care for its citizens. But there are boundary lines that scripture would say, that if I reach this point, I've gone too far. If I communicate my dissent with disrespect for someone's um, humanity, I've gone too far. And so I don't know if our people have the tools or our understanding to know those boundary lines are being confronted with it in our churches. And then just environments, I think, to help our people think critically about what's happening in culture. And so I know how to read my scriptures. I know how to be formed. I'm engaged in serving in my church, but then how as church leaders are we helping people understand the things that are happening around them and not have all the answers, but serve as guides? Uh, Because if 
if we're not helping our people understand, they're going to go get information from somewhere else. And we see that the people that our people are getting information from aren't great <laughs> leaders. And so how can we help them think about those things, which isn't always easy. I think in front of us is a task of helping our people become critical thinkers and people who have a conviction about loving God's people well. This orthodoxy and orthopraxy that go together. But those are some of the dynamics. There, there are probably many more, but those are just a few that have stood out to me that have made, I think, made some of the fruit we see not so great. Well, I, I totally agree with all of those problems. I mean, they're so prevalent in the church. And I understand from some things I've read over the last few years that, that Christians are going less often to church anyway. Yeah. It's not even one hour a week in many yeah. cases. It is yeah. one hour a month, possibly, yeah. Yeah. once every two weeks. Um, and I think, of course, COVID made that worse. And I don't know that we're real sure if we're going to rebound from that yeah. at this point. Churches are still down and as far as the number of people attending church. And there are many yeah. people just attending church online, yep. which, which, was a, which was a great gift mm -hmm. during COVID when we really didn't need to be at church. Yeah. People like me who are old didn't need to be going to church. Yeah. Um, but that was a that was a great gift. That was wonderful. But it has become the practice of so many of us, and um, you miss you miss the community, and you okay. miss that input from a larger group other than just yeah. what the pastor is having to say. Yeah. And so that that's I agree. That's but. These problems predated COVID. I think it's just yeah. made things worse. Yeah, we've, we've, we've seen what's been there all along. It just wasn't volatile enough to bring it to the surface. Because uh, in some sense, our faith is really about virtue formation, that we're being transformed into a kind of person. And that is requires embodied relationships that I learn that I am impatient when I live with someone else, right? I'm single. And so my roommates have helped me grow as a person because you think you're a superstar <laughs> when it's just you, uh, but you get around other people and you realize, oh, maybe there are some things that I need to deal with and apply the truth I've heard from my pastor or other teachers. And I'm learning in community and I'm being stretched and transformed and constantly given the, the, the standard of Christ-likeness and being encouraged by the people around me to constantly point towards that. Um, but that's hard when, when Christianity becomes a lone ranger type of uh, mm -hmm. faith. And I'm not in spaces where I'm challenged to live it out continually. And again, like you said, Kay, uh, virtual church is a great, great tool and was really useful in the pandemic. And still to different demographics that going to church is hard, but it's not enough to just watch a sermon on TV. Uh, we're not about checking boxes. It's about who am I being formed into? And that is an everyday deal for us. Right. Absolutely. So in light of those issues mm -hmm. that you brought up and that we've discussed, what, what do you see that the church can do moving forward? What, what can we implement or, or even, I'm not even talking about big church necessarily, but yeah. the church being us as individuals, yeah. church also being what we do with our people, you know, it all, it all is important because discipleship is more than just one-on-one -on -one and it's more than just, you know, 
the, the big church yeah. um, gathered. It, yeah. it's, it's more of your life than that. So yeah. what do you see? For me, there again, a couple of different points along the way. I think the first one is this place of lament, confession, and repentance. And that we take the time to just acknowledge the lay of the land, to have hearts that are broken by the people who've been wounded by our sin. And, you know, sometimes we don't like to sit in the really hard and icky things and we want to move past them. But there is something about having to face what either you individually have done or people you've been connected to. I remember one of my professors at BTS and it was a church history course. And he was like, whenever you have criticism for the church, use we and not them. Because we are all a part of this same organism that is the bride of Christ. And although someone might have an issue in one area that we are all capable outside of Christ of the same grievous sin. And so that we would have hearts that are broken by things that have been done by people who we share faith with. And that's complicated, you know, because uh, again, there have been really hard things, but that there'd be a place of lament and grieving and healing for people who have been affected by that. And that our hearts would really break for people uh, made in the image of God, whether or not they would call themselves Christians, uh, because our task is to love all, no matter what we receive from them. And so I think the next thing is how do we help our people and how do we as believers pursue the truth of our faith with a kingdom minded worldview? And so again, that is holding on to these two tensions of orthodoxy and orthopraxy orthodoxy is right belief. So there are beliefs we should have as Christians that don't shift, but that's also connected to behaviors that we have that are indicative of those beliefs. And I think a lot of believers and churches need to jump on this journey of learning about their faith and learning about what characterized Christians from generations past I'm reading through this book called Dominion by Tom Holland. And he just talks about the history of Christianity and just how our treatment of the least of these was so such a strong witness for so many centuries because that was countercultural to what uh, the world that Christians were living in at that period of time. And so that we just learn. We learn from people who might not be in our specific denomination, but hold to the essentials of the faith. You learn from people who are ethnically different than you. You learn from believers who are geographically in different places. The persecuted church in China has much to teach us uh, in the American church about what it means to follow Jesus in seasons of suffering. And so I believe alongside this period of lament is that there needs to be a journey of learning that's, that has a goal of transformation, not knowledge for just knowledge sake, but just transformation. Um, and then I think there needs to be an element of where the church in terms of church leadership regains within this kingdom-minded worldview, its prophetic voice. And when I say that, I'm thinking of the prophets in the Old Testament as covenant enforcers, right? That they would point out to Israel, this is what you agree to, to follow the Lord, and you're not doing this. That we would have the courage as church leaders to pull our people back to the way of Jesus and say, this is what's indicative of our faith. And whatever it's you're posting online or the people you're listening to or following, the ideas that you are sharing or just even your posture or our um, ambivalence to certain things that are happening in our culture, 
And that's not the way of Jesus. This is the way of Jesus. And that takes some courage and boldness and, and courage and boldness is grounded in humility. That's grounded in a love for God and a love for image bears and that we would have the courage to do that. And so again, this journey of learning is one that happens both individually and church-wide that we would have places in our churches for people to do that. We're able to guide them about, again, what do I think about abortion? What should I think about immigration? What should I think about politics? What should I think about uh, justice? All these hot button issues, the church should guide people under this kingdom-minded worldview that brings them back to the way of Jesus when they have wandered off. And a way of Jesus that's grounded in right belief and right practice that loves the Lord and loves everyone made in his image. Absolutely. I, I so agree with everything that you said. I, obviously, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, yeah. mind, and strength. I mean, that's, that's a kingdom attitude. That's, yeah. that's what we have to focus on is loving him above all of these things on yeah. the earth, everything, yeah. our, you know, our country, our politics, mm-hmm. our friendships, even. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, our jobs, mm-hmm. our, you know, if you're on church staff and you're going to say some of these things, you got to think, you know, is, is, am I here just to keep my job yes. or am I going to speak the truth? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, and then the second thing is to love your neighbor as yourself. Yep. And, and there's the orthopraxy. And that's the way that we should be looking at all people, all people, no matter where they're from, no matter what they do, they're all made in the image of God and we're to love them. Yeah. And so I I do think we have to get back to that because Mm -hmm. our, our gospel has been hollow, I would say, and a hollow, hollow statements. We don't show, if we don't show the love of God, people aren't going to realize that he loves them as well. Exactly. Uh, So those, those are really good ideas and very practical, mm-hmm. very practical. What, what is it? Let's say you're a, a person who just meets with some other women. You either have a small group or possibly you're a mentor to yeah. some other women who, who have not been Christians as long as you have, yeah. you know, whatever your ages are, people younger in the faith. Yeah. How did they implement that? How did they begin to do those kinds of things in a smaller place with fewer people? Yeah, I think a great way is to be really intentional about the curriculum you're using for your group, right? So I would say that the that most small group leaders, uh, or if you're mentoring someone, that you might be using a book, you might be using a study off of, you know, you buy online, or maybe your church uses right now media. And there are a lot of really great resources that help guide people in these things, but it is, I'm responsible for this one person or for this group of people. And so how can I, okay, we're going to maybe uh, move from the, the normal conversations we would have and maybe move into something that's a little different, but it helps guide our people into understanding their Bibles, but also understanding, okay, how do I apply that to everyday things? And that would be my encouragement is just to move outside your comfort zone just a little bit. We don't need to (laughs) go all the way to the edge, but what content am I choosing? Or even a small thing, who are my people learning from? 
And the voices that we choose, maybe don't choose the same people you always choose. Choose a pastor or Bible teacher that looks different than you, um, again, from a different part of the country or a different part of the world, and allow their perspective to help transform the people in your group. That would probably be a, a good first step for someone who's in that position. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. I've been part of a very small group of three women yeah. for years, and yeah. we read things that were out of our comfort zone. Yeah. You know, I'm not talking about atheists. I'm just talking yeah. about voices that we would not normally hear otherwise. Yeah. And it has been one of the best things that I've ever done for my own spiritual growth and discipleship. And uh, we continue to do that. So I appreciate them and I appreciate you and your mentioning those kinds of very practical ways to do this. Mm -hmm. So thank you, Elizabeth. I'm so glad that you joined us. And I'll say to those of you out there, this series includes conversations from, from a number of perspectives on reimagining discipleship, the perspective of theology, spiritual formation. We have a missionary that has spoken with us. So I would just invite you to also listen to them. There's some echoes of the same thing over and over in many of these conversations, but there also are a few differences just because of the perspective and the experience of the person talking. So all of these will be posted on video and podcast in the fall of 2022. So you can check our website at beyondordinarywomen.org to see which ones are posted other than Elizabeth's. And if you, you only find Elizabeth's, then you'll know the others are, are getting ready to be posted as well. If you have any questions, you can contact us. We'd be happy to talk to you. We'd be happy to give you suggestions. In fact, something that Elizabeth said reminded me that we have a couple of videos on lament that Nika Spalding did with me, and they are excellent and, and would be very easy for you to watch or listen to if you would like to know more about lament and understand how to practice it yourself. And that would be a great thing for a group to do as well is lament together in your small group over so much that's going on needs, needs a lot of laments. So thank you again. And we will see you at beyondordinarywomen.org. Thanks for listening to the Beyond Ordinary Women podcast. You can find more podcast episodes and resources for women in leadership by going to beyondordinarywomen.org. This podcast is produced by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministry. Our production team includes Evelyn Babcock, Kay Daigle, Deborah Herring, and Sharifa Stevens. Theme music, Back in Stride by Don Miller, used courtesy of Christine Miller.